0: so I just kind of want to explain uh, Bryce is going to be speaking with us this morning the first time I preached I was 18 years old uh, and the Lord has just stirred in my heart several times where are the young men and women where are the where's the next generation of teachers and preachers and communicators and um, so I probably about a month and a half ago, two months ago, Bryce, uh, we got a chance to gr- drive up to Gerald Durstein's place. We we worked up there, helped getting his yard prepared this this spring, and uh, Bryce and I rode together, and we just had a conversation, got to talk going up there and coming back, and I I just asked him, you know, I know you've been in Christian school uh, a good part of your life, and you've been in church a lot. He's talked to, to me about his parents' devotion to Christ, and I know a little bit of having more conversations with mom, but um, they've been a part of the church now for about a year and we pretty much don't know Bryce said you know most people probably haven't heard me well, We every time he gets behind the drums we hear him I mean, that's not, so I just asked Bryce you know if God puts something on your heart that you'd like to share let, let me know and uh, we got to work together another day after that and thought, you know maybe there was something and then uh, last week he said you know what I think I'm I think I'm ready. So." I am beyond encouraged, I am just excited. Bryce is 17 years old, I'll let him tell a little bit more about himself, but I'm just uh, so grateful. Why don't you come on up, Bryce, and we're going to pray for you. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) I I used to preach off a post-it note. He has elected to use a dinner plate, which is... (laughs) great. So uh, let's just pray for you, man. Father, I just thank you so much for Bryce and for his willingness to share what you have put on his heart. And God, I just ask you to bless him and give him your words and open our hearts to hear in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen. Thank I'm going to shut off the monitors up here and then you can uh,
1: take off. All righty, that sounds all good to me. Well, I would like to start off by uh, saying good morning. Come on. <laughs> All right, here we're going to try that again, okay? Good morning! Good morning. Hey, hey, now you're starting to sound like someone a little more excited than a Catholic church. <laughs> oh, oh, I heard an O oh back there, you know. Well, uh, like Pastor Tim said, I'm, I'm 17 years old. My name is Bryce Grabanski. I grew up in uh, rural North Dakota with my family, obviously. I mean, I wouldn't have grown up without them. And um, like Pastor Tim said, I'm 17, and uh, God put it on my heart to come up and preach today. And you know, Pastor Tim, he was 18. It's not a competition. It's not a competition, but I'm winning. (laughs) Boy, what what a blessing it is to be up here in front of you today. What a blessing it is to have God put something on your heart to share with others, and you know, it's... It's a wonderful thing when when God puts it on your heart to to speak to others. It really is. I want to start with with something a little little strange. I want to ask all of you a question. I want to ask all of you, how many of you, raise your hands, how many of you have read your Bible every day this week? You've got some good hands coming up. Oh, yeah. And how many of you believe every word that's in the Bible? A little more hands come up. I want to ask you another question. How many of you have either read the news, watched the news, or checked your phone every day this week? Some more hands come up. And how many of you believe every word that's on those things? Isn't that interesting? Isn't that weird? We spend more time reading about what we don't believe than what we spend reading about what we do believe. Isn't that weird? And you know, God's word has so much, so much in there. It's got so much to tell you. You know, God put it there because he knew that we would want to know what God was thinking. And I mean, he put it there for us. And yet, a lot of times we don't end up visiting our Bibles talking to God. As I was reading my Bible about a week and a half ago, I came across a story that my dad told me to read. It was uh, the story of Elijah. It's in 1 Kings, somewhere around 1 Kings 19. I don't know the exact verses. But um, we all grew up in Sunday school knowing the story of Elijah. He challenged the prophets, and he proved that they were wrong. And we usually end our reading right about there. Usually people don't know much else about what happened with Elijah. And I kind of want to I kind of want to read through that with you folks. So, I'm going to turn my Bible open. If you want to turn your Bibles open, you can. We're going to pull it up on the screen too, I think. So, we'll get to read this together. All right. So, 1 Kings 19ish. This is right after Oh wait. Oh, man. Interesting. I'm a little too far. We'll go back and we'll go back again. <laughs> All right, First Kings 18. After a long time in the third year, the word of Elijah, the word, word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab. I will send the rain on land. Oh, jeez. I am really not where I'm thinking I am. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh. Well, Technical difficulties folks, just hold on a second here. <laughs> oh. All right, I was right. <laughs> can you pull it up on the screen there so I can start, please? Yeah, I reserve 1918. That would have been very helpful for me to know. (laughs) Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shep. Oh my gosh, I must have told you the wrong thing too. That's too far. Oh, maybe that's not too far. gosh my i am just all over the place today well i'm going to start from 1840 cuz that's where i meant to start from then elijah commanded them seize the prophets of Baal don't let anyone get away they seized them and elijah had them brought down to the kishon valley and slaughtered there after elijah proved but all of the prophets for false, he actually killed them all. And that brought a lot of problems on him, folks. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is a heavy rain. So Ahab went. Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel bent on. Oh my gosh. Boy, there's a lot of killing of prophets in this book. I can't I can't even find the right one. <laughs> Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely. If by this time tomorrow I do not make your life that of one of them. He got a death threat from the king after he killed all his prophets. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Expected that one. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, came to a broom bush, sat under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him, and he said, Get up and eat. He looked around. And there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, then laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of God came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they too are trying to kill me. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And this is the part that I found oh so interesting. After Elijah fled from the king, after Elijah killed all the prophets, he came to this mountain and God was passing by. And this is what it says. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still, small voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too. And Then the Lord told him what he wanted Elijah to do. Told him to go back the way he came and find allies. Well, I find that interesting, folks. I find that very interesting. You know, I was not given—I was not given the spiritual gift of being able to hear God's voice. I was not given that gift. Elijah could could go into a cave and he could have God speak to him, but I was not given that gift, folks. You know, in First 1 Corinthians 12.12, 12, I read through that a while back too. And I noticed that that talked about that spiritual gift, being able to be talked to by God. I would like to go there, please. <laughs> Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit as to form one body, whether the Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part but many. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Folks, Paul was talking to the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts. He was talking about, Uh, A problem where they thought that if you did not have a spiritual gift of being able to prophesy, or you couldn't talk to God, or you couldn't speak in tongues, that you would not be a Christian. That you did not know God. Folks, Paul is writing them and telling them, that's not true. God made you all different. God gave you all different spiritual gifts. So that you could serve as different parts of the body. And I am a part of the body, whatever part that be, an ear, a foot... I'm the part that doesn't have that spiritual gift, folks. Well, that's not necessarily true. I was spoken to by God only one time. And I was only told two words. It was in a time in my life where my family was hopeless and helpless. And we were in a place where we did not want to be. we had been kicked out of our church because we stood up for what was right, because we stood up for the Bible. In that church, they wanted to rewrite the Bible. Talk about a hard job. <laughs> I wouldn't be qualified to rewrite the Bible myself. but we, we were kicked out of the church because we didn't think that that was right. The church that we were rooted in for over 20 years we had friends. My parents had friends in the church. We knew everybody. I played with their kids. And we were put in a place where we didn't really want to be in. We were we were out of a church. We were all alone. And we didn't have anybody who really trusted us or believed in us anymore. I fell on my knees at my home. I said to God, God, am I supposed to do (sighs) I asked God what am I supposed to do you put me in this place all my friends have left me they won't talk to me anymore my mom is crying in the other room my dad is angry at everybody You put him out put him out of his own friend group I fell on my knees and I said God what am I supposed to do what do I do here And then God spoke to me. He said two words. He said, be still. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? (laughs) Oh, Oh, come on. God told me to be still. Have you seen me up there? I am drumming all the time. (laughs) I'm making a lot of noise. I'm moving around all the time. You know, my dad used to tell me, Bryce, you're a championship kickboxer. I said, what? that? I've never kickboxed in my life. He says, oh yeah, when I was sleeping in your bed with you, you kicked me just about a thousand times. <laughs> you never lost either. <laughs> <laughs> and I was moving even, even in my sleep, folks, and God came down to me and he told me to be still. Isn't that weird? Isn't that strange? And that makes me think of another verse. It's, it's Psalm... We can put it up on the screen. Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There it was again. Be still. You know, I find that story in 1 Kings to be so very interesting. I caught a few things in there. I want to go back to that actually. Let's see if I can find the spot again. <laughs> We're in First Kings. It keeps moving on me. We'll just put it up there and I'll use that. And then we're going to go back a little further. And then a great wind came and shattered the pieces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go stand on the pre- mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still small voice. You no, know, I find that verse so interesting, folks. I find it interesting that God chose God chose to say, He was not in the earthquake, he was not in the fire, he was not in the wind. I find it so so weird that he says those things. You know, Growing up in my house, I hated commercials. I—I <laughs> I mean, I really hate commercials. You know, I didn't start hating them because every once in a while, I would show me a cool Lego set, and I'd go bother my parents to buy me it. <laughs> but after a while, I started to hate commercials. You know, it—it it was always always getting in the way of me watching my TV show. I would be watching my show, I'd be having a great time, and then all of a sudden, on comes a commercial. What the heck is this doing up here? What's this? (laughs) I always had commercials. You know, on my way from church, on my way home from church last Sunday, I went and I stopped at a little Cenex at a four-way stoplight just outside of DL. I pulled up there, put my credit card in the deal, took off the pump, and (laughs) started unscrewing my gas cap and... All of a sudden, <laughs> buy our juice cleanse. This is good for you. This will make you healthy. This will make you happy. This is the best thing that's ever. Go- I just about jumped over my car. <laughs> I was really startled, folks, and I was not expecting that either. I look over just above where I put my credit card in, and there is a little screen, only a big. They're playing a commercial as I'm filling up my car with gas. <laughs> You know how agonizing that would be to me, folks. (laughs) And as I'm filling up my car with gas, I step back. Just a little ways. I step back and I look up. I say, God, noise is noise. Anywhere, isn't it? You know, nowadays, there's so much stuff grabbing at your attention. I think that the average, the average amount of times that an American checks their phone in a day is like 230 sometimes, isn't that crazy? We read the newspaper, what, every day? Watch the news, what, every day? You know, amusement parks even. Amusement parks, amusement. That literally translates to not quiet, not still. Go to an amusement park to have stuff jumping out on you, exciting you. Folks, we crave. We crave that attention. We crave that excitement. But I find something so interesting about about what Elijah did. When, When there was that great wind and the great earthquake and the great fire, Elijah didn't pay any attention to it. If you go back there, it actually says that he covered his head his cloak. He's trying to hide from the noise. Putting those over this set. Can you imagine? Can you imagine me pumping my gas and <laughs> putting my head over my head? No, no commercials! Don't do it! <laughs> Not many people do that, you know. I thought it was so interesting that Elijah did that. And I find it interesting how afterwards, after he pulled his cloak over his head, he was able to hear what God was trying to tell him. I find that so interesting that he paid no attention. Folks, you know, over these past two months, I have been astounded. I really have been. I've been so surprised how fast that the world can crumble to pieces. So, so very, very surprised. How little it takes to shake the entire world. All it took was a little bitty virus. Boy, that virus has made a lot of noise, hasn't it? You know, I, uh, I go and I work for my grandmother every other week. I go on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and I help them out because my grandfather, he's getting to the point where he can't do any work anymore, but he's a farmer. So he's always got work, but he can't do the work because his body don't work. (laughs) So I gotta work. (laughs) So I go down there every Tuesday and Thursday to help them out to do my grandfather's jobs for him. And uh, this particular Tuesday, my grandmother had to go into town, and my grandfather was napping in the other room. And I was... uh, I was sitting at the dinner table watching him, and I uh, looked down, and right in front of me, there was a newspaper. Now, not my smartest decision, but I decided that I'd read the newspaper today. (laughs) I looked at the front page, it read, coronavirus death toll in North Dakota reaches 100. Read about the victims. And my second least intelligent decision of the day, I decided to read again. (laughs) I flipped to the page where it was talking about people who had died from coronavirus. About three people down, there's a man that was named Kenneth Scoop. And something in there caught my eye. It was talking about corona this, corona that, corona blah, 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 blah. This is his condition. This is what he did during his life. And uh, he was number 17 victim, whatever it was. And something caught my eye. Mr. Skoog's daughter had given a testimony about the last moments that they got to spend with him before he died. And um, she talks about this event. She says, they were all around him on his deathbed. He was sitting there. They were all crying around him. They were holding his hands, praying for him. And Mr. Skoog said something very profound. He said, don't worry about me daughter what what do you what do you mean dad he says it again he says don't worry about me he says dad how can i not worry about you you're dying how can i not be worried about you right now he says a third time don't worry about me because nothing will ever compare to the suffering that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ suffered on the cross for us. Not even this virus. And if that's not enough for you, I know where I'm going. I know this is the last time I'll probably ever see you. So Goodbye, and I can't wait until I get to see you again. That was the last time that anybody saw Kenneth Skoog before he died, aside from nurses and doctors. Mr. Skoog died there weeks later alone. No family around him. Nobody ushering him into heaven. Folks, that is not right. Coronavirus has made a lot of noise. and Oh, boy, a lot of noise. A lot of places are hearing it. Hospitals are hearing it. They closed down their <laughs> visitation to the dying folks that would like to see their kids. And there's a lot of noise everywhere. Folks, I, I find that story, Elijah, so interesting. Came a great wind. God was not in the wind. And a great earthquake that shook the earth. God was not in the earthquake. And a great fire. God wasn't in the fire. Elijah had to cover his head so that he could hear a still, small voice. Folks, this noise is relentless. And we crave it, too, on top of that. There's a lot of noise all around us, and it is trying to take us away from God. I don't understand. I don't understand how you can expect to hear a still small voice through all that noise. You know, I was driving in my car not too long ago, and I uh, I heard a man by the name of Zig Ziglar speaking, and uh, he had written a book called "See You at the Top," and it's about how to reach how to reach this, this special place, the top. And I'm just going to read to you quickly that description that he had of the top. He said, you are at the top when you clearly understand that failure is an event, not a person. That yesterday really did end last night, and today is a brand new day. You are at the top when you have made friends with your past, are focused on the present, and optimistic about your future. You're at the top when you know success doesn't make you and failure doesn't break you. You're at the top when you are filled with faith, hope, and love, and live without anger, greed, envy, or thoughts of revenge. You're at the top when you are mature enough to delay gratification and shift your focus from your rights to your responsibilities. You're at the top when you know that failure to stand for what is morally right is the prelude to being the victim of what is criminally wrong. You know you are at the top when you are secure in who you are, so you are at peace with God and in fellowship with man. You are at the top when you have made friends of your adversaries and have gained the love and respect of those who know you best. You are at the top when you understand others can give you pleasure, but genuine happiness comes from when you do things for others. You are at the top when you are pleasant to the grouch, courteous to the rude, and generous to the needy. You love the unlovable, give hope to the helpless, friendship to the friendless, and encouragement to the discouraged. You are at the top when you can look back in forgiveness, forward in hope, down in compassion, and up with gratitude. You are at the top when you know that he who would be the greatest among you must become the servant of all. You are at the top when you recognize, confess, develop, and use your God-given physical, mental, and spiritual abilities to the glory of God and the benefit of man. You are at the top when you stand in front of the creator of the universe and he says to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Folks, that is beautiful. I doubt that any of you would raise your hands if I asked if any of you didn't want to be in that place. Folks, that is not a place that you can climb to. Sorry to say, you can't claw your way to that place. You know, a lot of people think as think of God as an anchor, but God is a rope. You grab onto Him, and only then can you get out of the depths you've gotten yourself into, folks. God is not always a loud, booming voice. He's not always an earthquake. He's not always a wind. He's not always a fire. In fact, he never is. When you hear God, he's not going to be proclaiming himself on the mountain. He's going to be a still, small voice. You can only hear that still, small voice if you go somewhere real quiet. And if you're like me, and you don't have that spiritual gift of being able to hear God talk to you directly, you're going to have to open your Bible. That's the only other place that you can talk to God. Once you've talked to God, He'll tell you where He wants you to be, what He wants you to do, what congregation He wants you to speak in front of, (laughs) and He will change your life, folks. He will bring you to places where you never expected to be. You can't hear him if you don't shut out the noise. And once you do, God will be your rope and you will be able to go to that place. to Go to the top. You'll be able to stand in front of the creator of the universe and hear him say to you, well done, my good, faithful servant. Now, I'm just a 17-year-old baby Christian. That's all I am. Beat Tim. (laughs) That's all I am. You're not going to get anything from me. I can talk to you about what God has been telling me, but that's not what God's trying to tell you. You know, we come to church every Sunday and we expect that to be enough for God. We come to church and we praise the Lord. I was a victim of it. I used to do it. I used to come to church and say, well, I am at one with God. I'm having a great day. I'm a Christian. Woo! (laughs) Never opened my Bible. Never did. It is hard. It is hard to be still. It is hard to go to that quiet place because we do crave that. That noise. Well, I'm no prophet. And I dare say that Tim isn't a prophet. And I dare say he's not the one that's going to get you into heaven. So, folks, I would like to thank you for letting me come up and speak, fumble around with my papers for a while, and have an all-around hard time. <laughs> It has been a blessing. And I hope that Tim can finish off the service with a good message. I am ready.
0: Good job, man. Good job. I don't think there's a whole lot that I need to say. As a matter of fact, I believe you've heard what the Lord would have you to say, what he'd have you to hear. Uh... God doesn't want to speak to you through the fire or through the wind or through the the earthquakes but it's that still small voice and I think Bryce, uh, as he and I talked through the week initially it was, uh, you know, I think I got about 10 or 15 minutes and then it's like, you know, maybe it's 30 or 40 minutes and you know what? Here's the deal, the word's the word and I don't need to carry this any farther. You've heard what the Lord would say to you today find a quiet spot and hear from the Lord because He wants to talk to you. There's all kinds of things vying for your information. Find a quiet spot so you can hear the Lord. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer this morning. Father, I thank You for this Word. I think this Word is right on. I think it's there for each one of us. We, we can get drug all over the place by the news, by, by this headline, or by that headline, or by this terror, or that terror. But God, You want to speak to each one of us. What I find intriguing about this account is that Elijah had to go back because he went on his own and it took him going on his own and getting alone to find out he had to go back to where he had him originally. So Lord, I just pray that you would speak clearly to each one of us as we get quiet before you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great day. Uh, Let Bryce know uh, what a great job he did. So have a good day.